0: Welcome to the intentional house podcast here. It's all about creating beautiful homes that actually help families love better. Here's your host, the home coach herself, Carly Thornock. Hey homies, it's Carly. So glad that you're here. This is the official podcast of intentional house, where we take the relationships first approach to home renovation and design. You guys today on the home front. It snowed, the first snow of the season. The kids have been sledding and snowmanning, and Chase and I have been swimming in the snow as we do. <laughs> Everybody has been sleeping well, suffice it to say. It's only been one day of snow so far, it's been a success. And I love the snow. Every winter, every almost winter, I don't like the snow. I don't like the idea of snow, but once the snow comes, I love the snow. My body Craves the change of seasons. I remember living in California, which was such an amazing experience. But I missed the change of seasons. I missed the snow, and I just really do love having the coldness. It's so, so good. And I really do love that my kids are so tired after playing in the snow. Uh, so last night I was laying with my little four-year-old in bed and, and talking to him well, right before he went to bed. and he said, "Mom, when can I go to real school instead of homeschool? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't know. You could go to college if you want. And he said, well, are there toys at college? And I said, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure there's some awesome toys at college. And he said, well, what kind of toys? So I told him, like, science toys and dancing toys and car toys. And, and he interrupts me and he's like, what about a remote control helicopter? Yep. Yep, Eddie. I'm pretty sure they have a remote control, helicopter control like situation at college. You can definitely explore that. And he was like, all right, sounds good. Then he rolled over and went to bed. (laughs) Oh, man, I love homeschooling. I love experimenting with growing our own food. And I love having a house that feels lived in. These things feel like really, really precious to my soul. And it's moments like that where... I just I just love it. I love it all. I loved that yesterday my kids could just play in the snow all day long. It made my mama heart sing because that's what I would have wanted to do as a kid. And I love public school. I just totally loved it. So there's just so many ways to win at home. I want to share with you my little lifesaver this week. I've maybe mentioned that when I am working with my design clients, I like to use graph paper. And specifically, I like to use digital graph paper. So on my iPad, I have an app called Procreate and I can turn on my graph settings so that I can see little squares. And it's just a blank canvas full of little squares. And what I do when I'm designing is I take a room and I measure the dimensions of the room and then each square equals one foot. So each square of a room equals each foot of a room equals one square on my graph paper. And from there, I can draw out the dimensions of the room and I can put in furniture and I can make a situation that mimics real life. And I love this. I love this because it saves time, saves money. We don't buy things that don't fit. It gives a client a clear image of what's to come. And I just love graph paper. I love writing on graph paper. I like making mini Excel spreadsheets that aren't in Excel, but they're on graph paper just with my pen. I just I just love it all. So that is my little lifesaver. And maybe it's nerdy and dorky, but you guys, some good graph paper goes a long way. This might come back to when I was a little girl. My dad always had a pad of green graph paper, like engineering pad is what he would call it. I need to get my engineering pad. And he would bring it over and we'd do math on his green engineering pad. And it's a connection moment for me. As I'm speaking to you right now, I'm realizing that I think I love problem solving on graph paper so much because that's how my dad did it. And I feel smart when I do it and I feel connected to him. So if you are having a problem that needs to be solved, whether it's linguistic, you need to write something, whether it's mathematical, you need to compute something, or whether it's design oriented, you need to draw something. Maybe graph paper. Maybe try some graph paper. What's been your little lifesaver? I would love to hear. Shoot me an email, carly at intentionalhouse.com. And ask me all your house questions and share your lifesavers. And I am here for you. Today, we get to talk about why beauty is a worthy cause. This is a fun one for me. Because at the outset of my life, (laughs) I was completely obsessed with beauty for beauty's sake you know, in junior high and high school, I wanted to be an interior designer to create beauty. It was all about the finished product. It was all about uh, being clean and fresh and exactly how we wanted it to be and like defying all odds to create the perfect situation. And I remember thinking about this with like my outfits or with my hair. And I didn't feel perfectionistic or controlling of it. But I sure liked to create things that were beautiful to me. And I think that that's a good thing. And I think that all of us have this innate sense of beauty and what can be and this desire to create something that we find attractive in our lives. That's great. And so as I continued on my journey of design and came to study families, I realized how messy real life is and how messy, amazing real life is. So I had a hard time combining the two for a very long time. Like, why, why, while I want beauty so badly, why would I pursue beauty if it isn't real? Why would we ever do beauty for beauty's sake? It's just pretend, is kind of what I was thinking. If, if it goes back to the intentional house cycle, if only beauty. Then we're missing out on life. And if only function and no beauty, then we're missing out on soul almost. And the truth lies in the middle. The truth is that true beauty, it's almost a different word. Like we need a different word to describe deep down beauty that checks all the boxes and isn't just surface level aesthetic, but like true grounded, rooted beauty is functional, it is meaningful. It is connecting. And it is aesthetic. It's all of those things. And that's what we want to seek after, especially with our houses. Just aesthetic never cuts it. But beauty, deep enduring beauty is what it's all about. So that being said, why would we pursue beauty as a construct Especially including the aesthetic portion of it. Why would beauty for beauty's sake be part of the intentional house cycle? Why is it worth thinking about? And here are, in my opinion, the top five reasons why beauty is a worthy cause to pursue. Number five, beauty opens up. I was just talking to a client about how she likes to do crafts with her girls. And they like to color and paint and draw and construction paper and all of those amazing things. The purpose to sit down together to create something together. And when their hands are busy creating, their hearts are open And their mouths are engaged in conversation. And they are learning about each other. And she is imparting wisdom to her little ones. And they are telling her about the little messages of their hearts. And what's important to them. And there's some amazing connection that comes from the joined pursuit of beauty. When I was dancing in college, uh, the pursuit of beauty was so compelling to me and to my whole team. I mean, there's a whole ballroom dance program at the university that I went to and we were world championship ballroom dancers. Like we were good and we were able to create aesthetic well and it was fun to be a part of something that was so precise and beautiful and intentional and it brought me a lot of joy. But the amount of time that we spent performing a highly polished Routine, like our, our most intense routine, is called a medley. And that is all of the dances in ballroom dance. So that's five dances for the standard medley, which are waltz and foxtrot and tango and quickstep. And I'm forgetting one Viennese long <laughs> time. Chase just yelled it to me from the other room <laughs> and Viennese. And then the Latin team has their five dances that are part of their medley. And the amount of time we spend performing those medleys is 7 to 10 minutes. And we probably did that maybe two weekends a month. So we'll say 20 minutes a month spent performing those medleys. And we spent, oh, 10 hours a week working on it. Two to 10 hours, depending on the competition coming up, depending on the performance coming up. So... The amount of time performing to the amount of time practicing was very, very small. And the same happens when we create beauty. If we are engaged in this process of beauty opening our hearts, then the practicing of the beauty is going to take most of our time. And the things that happen as we engage in creating beauty are going to be far more impactful and far more memorable than having the outcome just like with our dancing. So with my client that I was telling you about, as their hearts are being opened and they are sitting down together for an hour a week intentionally creating beauty, doing their art time, uh, the time that they are spent creating an hour, maybe two if it's a big project, to appreciating the artwork, like the creation is heavy in, in the ratio. So the whole process is what's most valuable right the creation of beauty in and of itself the heart opening process we go through to create beauty is compelling it is important it is essential number 4 reason why beauty is a worthy cause since beauty is subjective when we create beauty we create something for ourselves it's a gift that we can give to ourselves in a way that nobody else can give us this gift. We can give each other beautiful things, things that we deem beautiful, (laughs) that we deem beautiful. I could give you a huge bouquet of flowers that when I was at the shop, I thought were just stunning. And you could probably appreciate them. But what is stunning to me may or may not be stunning to you. And we see this with people, right? People are attracted to other people. And have you ever had a friend who had a boyfriend that you were like, what in the world? I do not understand. I do not think he is cute. And she's just swooning. Or maybe the other way around where you could just couldn't get enough of your husband. And aren't you grateful that all the other ladies in the whole world aren't trying to do the same? Like, we're just so glad that we have different perspectives of beauty and attractiveness. This is so good. But when we're in the middle of creating beauty, we have to remember that beauty is subjective. And sometimes we get caught in this idea that beauty is truth and that if something is beautiful, if only I do it right, then other people will appreciate the beauty the way that I do. And it just never is the case. And especially when it comes to your house, when you're creating beauty, it's for you. And you are the primary recipient of this beauty. And if you love the process, if you're engaged in a creation experience that has your whole heart and that feels good and is magnificent in and of itself to you, then the and the end product feels beautiful to you, like that's maximum. That's 10 out of 10. You've done it. You've completed it. And if somebody else comes in and says, little thing that's very cute, or I would never have done that. Who cares? That's just them having a subjective experience of beauty, just like you have a subject subjective experience of beauty. All the time I hear Chase watching football games and he'll say something like, oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> and I think he's talking about a pass or a catch or a play of some sort, right? And I'll go over there and he'll show me the replay. And I can appreciate that something happened, that there was movement of the ball or that it looked like like a spiral or that the guy caught it against all odds. I can appreciate that. But he finds beauty in it because he's speaking to the creation of something intentional and something executed with precision and with skill. And I don't a- appreciate that as much as he does just because of the exposure to it that I've had. And I've had a lot of exposure to football. I would like us all to be aware. <laughs> and that's not important at all. But when it's something that you are cued into and that makes your heart sing, that you can appreciate, that's beautiful to you. And it doesn't need to be appreciated by anybody else. It can just be beautiful to you. Sometimes people struggle finding beauty in abstract art or modern dance or in minimalist decorating because often beauty has had rules attached. So When Yes, there are types of all of these things, like abstract art and modern dance, that are not intentional. I've seen both. But when you run across, when you expose yourself to intentional modern dance with a purpose and and explanation, and you get to understand what's going on, both in the heart of the dancer and the heart of the choreographer, and in your own heart, then you have this definitely beautiful experience. It's something intentional, something executed with precision and skill. And that makes beauty to me. Usually, these things that are portrayed as art have been executed with intention and precision and skill. And sometimes the point of the art could be to not execute them with precision or skill so that we can interpret and feel what it feels like to to be left without a bottom, without an anchor, without meaning. And that's something we're thinking about too. And that purposeful unpurposefulness (laughs) is also beauty. When we are left with something to appreciate, contemplate, and grow from, that's beauty. And it's allowed to be yours. It's allowed to be subjective. And your style of beauty is going to be completely yours, unique to you, custom fitted. Lean into that. Lean into knowing that your brand of beauty cannot be echoed by anyone else, nor can it be produced by anybody else, nor can it be appreciated by anyone else in the same way that you would do it. This is the reason that I think every single person needs to have a say, needs to have intention behind what they put in their house and on their walls and on their beds and on their chairs, because it's yours. I could come in and design your whole house to what I think is beautiful, sure. And there's lots of people who would agree with me, but there's also lots of people who would throw up if they saw what I did, right? There's just people who don't love what I do. My favorite analogy is to think of yourself as a peach. And if I think of myself as a peach, like great, I love peaches. We had a peach tree growing up. I have like very strong roots anchored in peaches. I love all the kinds of peaches. Bring them to me. Thank you. Thank you. But a lot of people don't like peaches. A lot of people prefer apples. It's nothing against a peach. You could be the best peach there is. They just don't like peaches. So if we spend our whole lives trying to become apples, just so we can Appeal to somebody else's sense of beauty or appreciation, we're going to miss out on our own peachy goodness. So we just want to be the best that we are. Do our beauty in the way that makes sense to us and feels good to us. And just let it shine, baby. And not worry about what anybody else really thinks. Because you guys, it's so beautiful that we're different. The world is beautiful because we have peaches and apples and oranges and asparagus right? The, be- the world is beautiful. But if we were all just trying to be the same thing, then the whole world's beauty is lessened. Okay, number three, the number three reason beauty is a worthy cause. Beauty is natural. To me, as close as we can get to nature um, opens up our biological and psychological and emotional experience, I think. So what's more natural than a sunset? or a forest, or a lake view in the early morning hours? What's more beautiful than flowers in springtime or a summer thunderstorm? Beauty has this crazy ability to remind us both of our nothingness in the world in the most wonder-filled sense. We see how small we are when we look up at the beautiful stars above us. But also beauty reminds us of our importance. As we have the power to create, and learn, and produce, and appreciate, we are such an important component in beauty. Without a beholder, is something beautiful? So as we behold beauty, we are reminded of our role in nature, and how we can create, and how we are both at the exact same time nothing and everything. What a healthy thing to remember. And just like everything else, the the truth lies in the middle. The truth lies in the color between black and white. The truth lies in the uncomfortable suspension, knowing that sometimes we're nothing, sometimes we're everything, and all the time we're both. Isn't that fun? Beauty allows us to consider that. Number two, beauty is inviting. We are naturally compelled toward beauty. Beautiful houses, beautiful hairdos, beautiful scenery. There is a science of beauty. Like what makes something more pleasing to us than other things? People have studied this for ages and this has something to do with symmetry and color balance, cohesion, dimension. And this is what people look to designers to deduce for them. This is the purpose of the interior design industry is please come create something scientifically beauty beautiful in my house. So while there are some things that may appeal to many at a basic biological level, like when you're shown pictures of people with very symmetrical faces and people with less symmetrical faces, like babies will prefer the most symmetrical face, like supposedly quote unquote beautiful. But what we know is that beauty is completely subjective and that beauty does not mean good necessarily in this context tolstoy says this he cautions us against the delusion that beauty is goodness we we want to be really careful to separate some construct like symmetry and a moral judgment like goodness because while something may be symmetrical and therefore appealing in whatever way our brains comprehend it, it doesn't mean it's better than or worse than. It just is. It depends on what our experiences have been. It depends on what our mom looked like. It depends on all sorts of things, whether we're hungry or not. Like there's so many inputs to how we perceive the world that we can't just make a judgment call about something being more beautiful, therefore good, right? Right? Things that remind us of home or of a meaningful experience are going to invite us in, in a way that feels beautiful to us. And the cool thing about this is that knowing this, when we understand what is beautiful to us and knowing and understanding that That isn't necessarily good or bad, nor is it necessarily even like capital T truth, beautiful. It's just our beautiful. When we understand what's beautiful to us and what's deeply, robustly beautiful, we can surround ourselves with it and therefore invite ourselves to experience all those great feelings on purpose. Beauty feels really good. To judge something as beautiful feels awesome. So why would we deny ourselves the opportunity to surround ourselves with things we naturally feel are beautiful, but also to choose to see all the things as beautiful. Truly, beauty is a choice. Which brings us to the number one reason why beautiful is worth it, why beauty is a worthy cause. And that is because beauty begats beauty. When we make the decision to think something is beautiful, we automatically are tuned in to a lot more beauty. We are tuned in to creating more beauty. When we surround ourselves and our loved ones with beauty, we're prompted to continue down that path. Not that we don't have a choice because we definitely do. I know lots of beautiful places that have been the scene for a lot of unkindness. What begets beauty in action and thought and feeling, and especially results, is our willingness to be open to beauty, to see the beauty, to appreciate the beauty, to talk of the beauty, to create the beauty. To fill ourselves with beauty is becoming beautiful ourselves. When we speak of beauty and we say, oh, that's so beautiful, all we're doing is commenting on the lens that we're choosing to see the world through. And that is fun. You have all of the control. You have all of the beauty inside of you. And how you choose to see the world and what you choose to make of it is going to completely determine the experience that you have in it. So why not choose beauty? My invitation to you today is twofold. First, trust your sense of beauty and lean into it create it and second work to increase your capacity to see the beautiful see the intention see the purpose see the skill see the soul that surrounds you in things that you would deem beautiful automatically and even and especially in the things that maybe are harder for you to see the beauty in at first okay i hope you have a wonderful week you guys I hope you have a beautiful week. And I'll talk to you next time. And until then, go get messy. Hey, do you just love this podcast? There's even more housey homey family goodness to explore over at intentionalhouse.com.